It is, uh, as always, a blessing to come together to worship our God together uh, in spirit and in truth. Um, I think a lot of times um, I take this blessing for granted. Um, it was mentioned in the prayer, uh, Vicki Keel, uh, who's just about my age, someone we know from Amarillo, as uh, on her deathbed. Um, and so you just never really know what, what your life holds. And so uh, to be able to be here in the pew to worship tonight is a blessing. Uh, and I can tell you that as I stand before you. Um, but I'm excited about this series that we started on Sunday uh, that Steve started uh, giving us an introduction, as uh, most of you know. We're talking about the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, that comes from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Um, the different uh, topics that uh, we have throughout this series are right here. Uh, Steve gave us the introduction, and we're going to talk about love tonight. Uh, we're also going to talk about joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, good, faith, maintenance, temperance. Um, if you're like me, whenever I heard about the sermon series, I was one of the kids that had learned the, the fruit of the Spirit song, uh, and that automatically came to my mind. Um, we're not going to sing it here tonight, but, uh, but I do recommend um, if you know that song or don't know that song, I think that would be good to, to memorize, to, to try to have on our minds as we go throughout this series. Um, all of these things that we talk about, you'll see, are characteristics of Jesus Christ. And I'm not really sure what everyone is going to do in their topic. I know we have a, um, a set format each time, and, and we're going to follow that. But if we really want to look at the fruit of the Spirit, we can look at Jesus and, and, and look at uh, how He was and how He lived in His life. But tonight we're going to talk about uh, love. Now I want to go to the passage that we uh, have for our series, Galatians 5. Uh, 22 through 26, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, as I mentioned, we, we're talking about love tonight. Now, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us in this room, have probably heard a sermon on love. And we're going to talk about love tonight, but my goal, and I think what uh, part of the goal in this series is, is really to approach this from the context that we see it in. Not just talking about love as a topic, but looking at love as a fruit of the Spirit, as uh, something that is produced in our lives, something that's going to glorify God. And I'll tell you, um, this sermon was, is not as an uh, effort to, to beat us down, but I will tell you, when we look at this word love and we see how it's applied in Scripture, it's very humbling. We can all think of areas in our life, as we'll see tonight, how we can be more loving Christians, um, all of us. In fact, when we look at the word love, it, it's the Greek word agape, uh, which properly love, which centers in moral preference, uh, so into secular ancient Greek, uh, Greek word 26, agape, focuses on preference. Likewise, the verb form 25, agapo, in antiquity, means to prefer. Uh, in the New Testament, we see typically refers to divine love, what God prefers. And so, what does that mean? Um, a few weeks ago, we had the, uh, a lot of us were at the study uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, as we looked at love, Basically, if you could summarize love together, 
I would say it's self-sacrifice. It's talking about preference. So basically, love is a sign of humility where we take the mindset off of ourselves and we put it on someone else. And I'll tell you, every single time you see the word love, there's also uh, different types of love mentioned throughout Scripture. But every time love is mentioned, it follows that thing where we don't think about ourselves, but we think about someone else. Maybe that's our neighbor. Maybe that's God. But that's what we're talking about. I want to demonstrate this, this uh, definition so we can um, see how it's used in Scripture. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so that same word love that says that we're supposed to have as a fruit of the Spirit, as something that if we follow after the Spirit, what we're going to have is the same love God showed the world. We also see in John chapter 15... In verse number 13, uh, John 15 and verse number 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And we're going to read a lot tonight from John. Uh, if you know who John is, he, he had his gospel. He's uh, the gospel according to John. And he talked about love quite a bit. But we're also going to look into uh, the letter of 1 John and read about that. But we see this idea of love sets the bar at... Jesus Christ. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And to start off, we think, how in the world am I supposed to have this type of love for someone? How am I supposed to love like Jesus? How am I supposed to love like God? Well, the good thing is, we don't have to do it ourselves. That's why we have the Spirit to give it to us. It's a blessing. If we're walking after the Spirit, the Spirit will give us that blessing, that fruit of love. So we're going to talk about this and ultimately Galatians 5. If you back up a few verses in the chapter that we're reading, Galatians 5, it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so um, I guess I got a, a pretty important topic in this because it's basically saying if we could summarize all of this together... If the law is fulfilled in one word, it's that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so let's talk about that love tonight. We're going to talk about that. The three points we have is the role of the heart and spirit, how love manifests itself in our life, and how producing love glorifies God. Now, I have these pictures of representations here uh, to, to kind of signify and to really simplify what these mean, what, what we're talking about in these points. And so I uh, had decided, I just want to give one word uh, answers to these points. And so if we could talk about the role of the heart and the spirit, that's basically the starting point. We start by reading God's word, right? And that's when the spirit works through us. That's how the spirit works. And when we're talking about how love manifests itself in our life, when we're talking about our life as a whole as a Christian, I would say that's the application. That's the things that we're doing in our life to show love. To one another to show love to God that's the application and the result is that it glorifies God so we're going to talk about those three things uh, tonight so we're going to start in the role of the heart and the spirit in Proverbs chapter 4 in verse number 23 it talks about the heart and I want to look at this to start in Proverbs 4 23 all the passages will be in the New King James it says keep your heart with all diligence for out of its spring the issues of life. Now, I think it's important for us to understand as we're talking about the role of the heart 
and the Spirit for the different fruits, specifically for love, that we have to understand what our heart really is. It says that our heart, we need to keep it with all diligence. Because why? Because it springs out all the issues of life. We think about that tree that we're talking about, that uh, Nathaniel read for us in the reading. You know, whenever you look at a tree that's beautiful, um, we know that there was a lot that went into that. It's a beautiful tree. It has beautiful fruit. Well, basically what this is saying here is that if we just took, looked at our heart by itself without anything else, we're going to see a tree that is not good to look at because all of it springs forth the issues of life. You think about the different branches, the different uh, types of things that we would see on a tree, it would not be appealing to look at. And so we need to see how our heart is supposed to be so that, make, that we can make sure that we have the right tree, a beautiful tree to look at, a, a, a good Christian life that, that brings forth good fruit. And so how can we do that? Well, we go to the parable of the sower and we talk about that. We, we see Jesus talked about that. In Matthew chapter 13, in verse number 18, it says, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. Uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. I'm going to stop right there real quick. So this is the parable that Jesus is talking about that we're talking about throughout this series. And why are we talking about this? This is because what it's talking about is us. It's also talking about the world. You could look at it from that interpretation as well. But here we're talking about us as Christians. And so he starts and talks about how when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, and then the wicked one comes and snatches it away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who received seed by the wayside. And so notice that there is a, a process of the heart. The heart has something to play in this parable that Jesus is talking about. It says that, uh, that the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And so it's good that our heart is receiving the good things from the Word of God. It's good that we're seeing what we need to have in the fruit. But we can see that that thing can be taken away. That if we're not careful to, uh, to keep our heart with all diligence that we just talked about, to guard our heart as it talks about in other translations, that it can be taken away. And so the heart is very important as it talks about receiving the Word of God and, and bringing forth that fruit. In verse 20 it says, But he who receives it on the stony places, this is he who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. But then it continues on and says, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And so, what are we trying to do here? Why are we talking about the parable of the sower? What type of Christian are we wanting to be for God? We're wanting to be the fruitful Christian, aren't we? And so in verse 23, it talks about how that's what we're supposed to do. In verse 23, it talks about how we're supposed to be fruitful. It says, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And so we're going to talk about the Spirit in just a moment, but the heart is very important. 
And when we're talking about love specifically, our heart needs to be full of love. If our heart is not full of love, then we're not fruitful Christians. Now, all of us can think of instances in our life where we can be more loving. And it's not possible to think, I'm going to be loving in every single situation. That's not possible. But when we see opportunities and when we follow after the Word of God, the love will be a blessing to us where we won't have it snatched out of our heart because we're holding on to the Spirit. We're holding on to the things of the Word of God. And that's what we need to be as Christians, is having that heart that's ready to receive that. That we're not going to let it get in the way because we have an ugly tree. But we're willing to change our life to reflect Christ, to make it, our tree look beautiful to look upon. That way the world sees that as an example, but above all, that God sees that for producing fruit for His glory, to praise Him. And we see in Matthew chapter 12, just a, a chapter earlier, Jesus talks about the heart once more. It says, either make the tree good and its fruits good, or its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now the interesting thing about life is that I cannot read Steve's mind. I cannot read Steve's heart, and he cannot read mine. But I can tell you something. The way we live our life is evident of what our heart really is. If our heart is for God, people are going to know that it's for God. That way, when we think about, just for an example, when we think about a tree that's beautiful and not just trying to get by, we think about, well, I come to church on Wednesday night. Maybe the mindset would be, I came to worship God here tonight. You know, evidence like that where, where we also talk about encouraging one another. I came here to love each other, to, to love my brethren, to love the sisters. And so our heart is evident or our uh, fruit is evident of what our heart is. And so where is our heart? Our heart is going to be shown by the way we live our life because Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned." And so what does our treasure look like? What does our heart look like? Well, if we look at our life, if other people see our life, do they see good things? Do they see love? Do they see joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? That's what they would see if we have the right heart. And it's not like every time we receive the Word of God that we're going to be happy and go on our merry way. Because there's some times in our life where it's really hard to swallow that verse. It's really hard to see what we need to do in this specific situation. But it's important that we have the right mindset going in so that that way the Spirit can work through us to produce that love, to show that love to the world, and above all, to show that love to God. And we see this idea about the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, in verses 16 through 18, this is the same chapter in talking about the fruit of the Spirit. A few verses earlier it says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit... And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. That law that it's talking about is not the New Testament, but the Old Testament. Uh, Christ gave us the Holy Spirit. Christ gave them the Holy Spirit. 
uh, to help them, to, to lead them into all truth. And so when that talking about the law, it's not talking about the New Testament, but the Old Testament. But something I want to look at this idea of walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. I can tell you that I've heard many times today of people I know, I'm sure you probably have similar experience, of people saying, well, the Spirit led me to do this. The Spirit led me to do that. And a lot of times we think, well, how do I really know that answer? Well, that goes back to the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? If we're walking in the Spirit, if we're being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is going to produce those things in our life. We're going to be fruitful for God. And so it would be foolish to say that the Spirit is leading me to do this when I myself am going against the Spirit and doing my own thing. And so it's very important that we let God work through us. We talked about the heart. Our heart is naturally evil because we're human beings. And so why in the world would we rely on ourselves to try to drive out love? But instead, we need to truly be led by the Spirit, not just use that phrase, but truly let the Spirit work through us. That's the reason God gave us the Spirit. And that's a part of God just as much as the Father is. And so let's let the Spirit work through us to drive out that love. Let's be led by the Spirit and walk in it. And we see furthermore about this idea in 1 John chapter 4. It says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let's stop right, right quick, real quick. That's 1 John chapter 4. That's, that's the conclusion of chapter 4. How do we know if we're walking in Christ? How does God know that we're a Christian? It says... And we know this, that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. If we're producing the Spirit, or if we're, if we're producing the fruit from the Spirit, then we'll know that we're Christians. And that should give us comfort. We don't have to, to worry and think, am I doing enough? Because that, that time, you know, a lot of times that thought creeps into our head. But if we're walking after the Spirit, we're abiding in God, and He's going to deliver that fruit for us. In chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And so back to that idea of walking in the Spirit. We can't just use that to our advantage sometimes. A lot of people try to do that to phrase that. But when we walk after the Spirit, we're walking after God. We're obeying God and doing what the things that God tells us to do. And I know a lot of times we hear that word obedience or obey, and a lot of times we may think, well, that's, that's just obedience. Well, that's really, <laughs> that's really us walking in the Spirit, following after God. We're abiding in Him. And so let's not be confused by that phrase of walking in the Spirit, but instead let's do that very thing. Allow the Spirit to walk in our life. And if, uh, furthermore... Uh, Paul talks about this to the church of, in Ephesians, or Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 21. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of of God. I'm going to stop real quick right there. And so, 
It talks about how in verse number 16, it says that he's going to grant us something. It says, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with his might through his spirit in the inner man. And so God gives us his spirit to walk, uh, to, to work through us, to go through us that we're living for him. And then in verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. We're talking about love. We're going to talk about love a little bit more specifically. But that's the purpose, is that we're rooted and grounded in love. You think about that tree, the roots, that we as Christians have love for one another, that we as Christians have love for God. And we see, continuing on, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says, according to the power that works in us. I believe that power that he's talking about is power of the Holy Spirit. He talked about the Spirit a few verses earlier that we just talked about. But notice what it says here in verse number 20. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think. If we walk in the Spirit, if we let the Spirit work in our lives... You know what this verse is telling us? Is that Christ can work through us, the Holy Spirit can work through us, and we can do some amazing things that we can't even think about. Not because of us, but because of God and His Spirit working through us. So you want to talk about the role of the heart, the role in the Spirit? It's it's so important. If we don't have that, then nothing else matters because we're alone. And the only way we're going to be fruitful for God in this life is if we follow after the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and have that heart ready to receive God's Word for the Spirit to to work through us. And so we see, secondly, what I want to talk about is how love manifests itself in our life. I want to look at this word love a little bit more specifically and what Scripture tells us how we are to be fruitful and show that to God. It says in uh, John chapter 15, it says, "As As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as uh, I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And so how love manifests itself in our life is if we are obedient to God. If we see obedience, if we see other people obey God, we know that they love the Lord. And we know that that fires us up to love the Lord. And so that's uh, uh, evidence of us loving God. And we furthermore see in verse 11, uh, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. We cannot be lovers of God and lovers of people if we don't do the things that Christ tells us to do. It says that you should remain and go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. We can't say that I have a loving heart, but yet my life doesn't show that I'm a loving person. 
It doesn't work like that. What that means is essentially that I'm labeling the fruit of the Spirit as something that I want to label it as. So I'm basically saying I have love, but really I don't have love. I have pride. I had selfishness. Remember that word of love, what it talked about? Agape love, where we're thinking about other people? That's what it takes, is we have to be thinking about other people, putting their needs above our own, putting God above ourselves. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you do not know a murderer that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little uh, children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can claim to be the loving Christian that God has called us to be all day long. But when situation after situation arises, really who we are is going to come out in the end. I think of different people that I can rely on in the church. That when something um, goes wrong in my life, that I can rely on them, that they're going to be there. Maybe that's to study the Bible. Maybe that's to come in the middle of the night to help. To go, uh, to, to, to take away their sleep until 2 a.m. You know why? Because I love the brethren. Because I'm putting someone's needs above myself. And I think of different people in the church that I can rely on because they have that love for God. They have that love for me. It says that in verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? It's not just enough to say that I love the people in the church or that I love God, but we have to demonstrate and take advantage of those opportunities. The Spirit is trying to work through us. God is trying to work through us to show that love. And so we have to allow it to do so. And so this is indicative of our heart. This is indicative of, am I really a loving Christian? Because I'll tell you in my life, and maybe in your life too, that as you look back in the past and you think about all those times that I could have served someone, that I could have helped someone, whether that was in the church, whether that was God, whether that was someone on the side of the road, and I didn't, where is our heart? Is our heart for God? Is our heart for ourselves? Is our heart for our fellow man? Because, friends, if we're going to go based upon what God's love has done for us and shown us, we have a very high standard. And so let's walk after the Spirit so He can produce these things in our life. That's how the love manifests itself. It's when we do those things. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-11, through 11, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He, who's, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through Him. In this love... Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If we're talking about 
the fruit of the Spirit. If we're talking about love, we have to have that love for each other. There's a song that goes, um, I, I think it goes, if you don't love your neighbor, then you don't love God. And that's very true. We sometimes want to, to, to drive a wall of separation between the two. And our neighbor is really anyone that we come into contact with. And so we need to make sure that we have love for one another and that will show ultimately our love for God because the two go hand in hand. And so this is how it's manifested. In fact, it says in verse number nine, in this love or in this love of God was manifested toward us. So God's love was shown to us, produced to us by giving us his son. And so the question we ask ourselves is how am I showing God's love in my heart today? How am I manifesting that? How am I producing the fruit? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Or he who does not love his brother, uh, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. That's what we're talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it gives us a list. This is something that we're probably very familiar with. The context of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, however, is really to the church of Corinth as Paul is demonstrating how their love should be towards one another. Now, obviously, we can talk about how this applies to our love uh, you know, to, to, um, to God and our love to our spouse. But really, what it's talking about here is our love for one another, for, for mankind, for the church specifically. And if we really want to be the loving Christian that God has called us to be, this is what the fruit would look like. Now, interestingly enough, you find a few things up here that really directly tie into other fruits of the Spirit. Um, for example, um, suffers long. We're talking about long-suffering. Uh, kind. Talking about kindness. And so these types of things are what's going to show God that we love Him. Now, once again, if you're like me, you can really get bogged down with the list. We can really get bogged down and see, well, I, I need to work on this, this, and I think we all need to work on these areas. But the main thing that we see is that the Spirit of God, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is going to drive out the love. And so let's not get too com uh, complex on trying to be loving in every situation of every area of our life. But I want to point out something very important here from this chapter. What do all these things have in common? Do you notice a common trend as it talks about what love is? Talking about covers all things, believes all things, isn't easily provoked, doesn't think evil, doesn't rejoice in wrongdoings, rejoices in the truth. What does all this boil down to? I believe it boils down to us thinking about others, serving others, humility, um, preferring others above ourselves, putting each other's needs above our own. And I'll tell you, it's very, very difficult to do that from time to time. It's very difficult to do that because there's a monster in all of us that is our own heart that does not want to show this love. Says, well, this is inconvenient for me. Why couldn't this person do this another time? Don't they know that I have this, this, this going on in my life? We have to put each other's needs above our own. If we really want the Spirit to work through us where we're fruitful Christians for God, look at those situations that come up and say, you know what? This is an example for me to help 
a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. And let's, let, let's do those things. That way the Spirit can work through us so we can be that fruitful Christian for God. And so that's how the love manifests itself in our life, is, is taking advantage of those opportunities. And finally, the result, how producing love glorifies God. In John chapter 15, we read uh, another passage from John 15 earlier, but I want to look at this one here. In John chapter 15, uh, verses 5 through 8, it says, I am the vine... You were the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified and you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As we alluded to earlier, I think a lot of times we have so much worry in our heart. I know that I've even heard of different individuals that I look up to in the body of Christ that think, I just really don't know if I did enough. Um, I know there was a sister in Christ one point in time that um, was on her deathbed, and she was really worried. She's like, I, I just don't know if I've really done enough for the Lord in this life. And, you know, maybe we're not walking after the Spirit, but... Brothers and sisters, if we're abiding in God, if we're trying to follow God and allow His Spirit to work through us, God will be glorified. We don't have to worry about what God thinks of us and our obedience if we're obeying Him. God is glorified. We can take comfort in that. If we're abiding in Him, He will abide in us and He will be glorified for those things. He talks about that. In John 15, verses 9 and 10, it says, As the Father loved you, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So how do we glorify God? How is God glorified? Not when we try to look at our own love as an example of our life, but when we look for the love of God in our own life. That agape love never came from us but it came from the one who first loved us, God. And so that is the example that we follow so that we can ultimately glorify God. If we want to be fruitful Christians, that's what we're talking about, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to follow after God and, and, and imitate His love. Show that love. What did God do while we were all enemies? He loved us even. In, he, he, he loved us anyways. We have to love our enemies. The people that hate us, that, that mock us, that don't want to hear what we have to say when, when it comes to Christianity at work, school. But you know, that's what God did for us while we were enemies. He still loved us. And so we have to love our enemies. And there's passages that talk about that. And so we have to abide in His love. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that uh, everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. In verse 28, it talks about our confidence. It says that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ today, and we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ and God today, and we follow after Him, we can put our confidence in that. We can put our confidence in God. 
We don't need to put our confidence in our own abilities, but we can put our confidence in the fact that we're abiding in God because we're following after Him. Because our life shows that. And so maybe you're here tonight and, and you felt, I just haven't done enough. Well, we can always do more, but take comfort and confidence in God. Take comfort and confidence in the Holy Spirit working through you. Allow Him to work through you. First John 3, 18 through 23, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do uh, those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. What does verse 19 say? Read that with me. It says, And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Our heart's going to condemn us. Your heart's... You know, Satan's, it's not like Satan leaves whenever we're Christians. In fact, he attacks more. He wants to place doubt. He wants us to place different things in our heart that's going to make us doubt that we're doing things for the Lord. But brothers and sisters, we take confidence in God. Notice what it says here. God is greater than our hearts. Don't follow after your heart. The world says follow after your heart. Listen to your heart. The heart is deceitful. It's, it's ruined. Because... That's us. It's, it's who we are. And we're sinful creatures. But we can put our confidence in someone greater than our heart. Put confidence in God. He deserves our confidence. That word confidence literally means hope. When we talk about how much hope we have in God, that's what we're talking about. Don't you have hope in God? In His love for you? In His love for me? If we do that, we know that He is glorified. God is glorified. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 23, it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on, his, on the name of his son Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We need to get rid of that fear. Cast it aside. Fear, in this context, this is talking about fear for torment of hellfire, is not a fruit of the Spirit, but it's something that tries to take away the fruit of the Spirit. Something that wants to strip us of trying to follow after the Spirit. But what does it say? It says that perfect love casts out that fear. Let the love of God win. Let the love of God be in our hearts so that way when that fear comes, we say that we know that we love God and that He loves us and that we're, we're protected as a part of His children, being a part of His children. Perfect love casts out fear and love has been perfected among us. And why is that? It's because God is holy. God is perfect. And so when God is working through us, through His Spirit in our hearts, we're perfected in His sight. That's what we want. I want to give an example as we kind of wrap up here. Um, a few years ago, when uh, Mikhail and I were living in West Texas, we would go travel to Plainview from time to time to spend time with her family. 
And um, whenever I first uh, was introduced to uh, her family, um, I was amazed. I was amazed, obviously, by their personality, but something else that I was amazed by is, man, this is some really, really good pie. I was very amazed by how, uh, as, as Michaela calls her, her mammoose gay Henderson could make these pies. I was just, I was just amazed by that. And uh, not that I've never had pie in my life, but that was just her specialty. She, it seems like every time we come in the door, here's a brand new pie for you right, right up front. You know? And I always look forward to that. I always look forward to, to being able to enjoy that and, and uh, be a part of, of that labor that she had. And, you know, I, I think of where that fruit came from. You know, that fruit didn't just fall out of the sky one day and, you know, she just said, well, I'm going to make a peach pie today or I'm going to make an apple pie today. That fruit came from somewhere. And, you know, I, I think of God in heaven. And as, as he looks down upon his creation, he is so pleased. He always looks forward to seeing whenever he drives by, whenever he comes by that field, that's our field, and sees our tree bearing that fruit. Because there's times where people will try to take that fruit away. There's times that that devil will come in and, and do everything in his power to take that fruit away. But we're determined that we're going to be fruitful for God. We're determined that we're going to love our neighbor as ourself. We're determined that we're going to love each other in the body of Christ and we're ultimately determined to love God because of everything he's done for us. And I'll tell you, do not lose heart in that. It's very easy to, to, to get bogged down and weighed down and think, I, I need to be more fruitful. And I think all of us do. But let God work through us. God is the one that's going to make us bring forth a good tree. And as a congregation, from a congregational level, we have nothing to worry about when we're following after the Lord. When people drive by and when people see the congregation here, they're going to see a beautiful tree that follows after God. And God will be glorified. And so let's take confidence, not in ourselves tonight, brothers and sisters, but let's take confidence in the one who we're glorifying, who gave us that fruit in the first place. And God bless you as, as you walk with Christ. And I look forward as we um, continue this series, I believe... Um, I believe Brother David is speaking next this coming Sunday night on joy. And, and as we demonstrate the fruits of, of the Spirit in this life, it's important to, to remember our purpose in this life, and that's to glorify God. I appreciate your patience tonight as we went through this. Uh, maybe you're here tonight and, and you have that fear and that's dominating in your life and your heart. And maybe you've done what you need, or done and, and followed after the Spirit, but maybe that fear keeps creeping into your heart. Let us help you in that way. We can pray for you tonight. Jesus said that uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It may feel so burdensome in this life, whatever you're going through, um, but give it to Jesus. Uh, he knows our, our hearts. He knows our, our, um, he, he knows our situations. He came to this world. And so cast your cares upon Jesus, and we can help you tonight. We want to encourage you in that tonight. But maybe you have not begun uh, your walk with Christ, or maybe you have and, and want to obey the gospel and be rebaptized. We offer that invitation as well. Uh, if you'd like to obey the gospel or uh, request prayers of the church, please come have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing.